0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We here love to hear how Velocity is making a difference in people's lives in our church. So if Velocity's made an impact on your life, please let us know. You can write us at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Velocity. How are you guys doing this morning? You glad to be at church today? love your enthusiasm. I want to welcome everybody, especially those who are joining us for the first time. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. I realize there's lots of places you could be, lots of things you could do, but you decided to be here today. I believe you're going to leave blessed because you came. And we are kicking off a brand new series of messages called Book Club. And I'm so pumped about this. I was uh, thinking about it just with school wrapping up and I was talking about it with my wife. I don't know if you had this happen, but when I was in school, uh, my teachers used to assign summer reading. Did anybody ever have that happen? I shared this with my wife. She had no idea what I was talking about. So either uh, my teacher just thought I needed more help or the public school system failed her. Um, I'm not sure which, but how many of you are readers, by the way? Anybody readers? How many of you, you're like, you only read if it's, in a web browser or something like that. That's kind of me. You know, anymore, I listen to a lot of audiobooks more than read them. But I'm so pumped to begin this series because what we're going to do, that whole thought with summer reading is that the teachers would want you to just stay in this mode of learning and growth, that, you know, as summer comes, and you're taking your vacation, or in my case, as a child, I was playing video games. That they wanted you to stay in this, this mode of learning so that when the fall comes around, like, like you don't have to catch back up. And I said, man, what a great thing for our church that same concept that as life being what it is, you know, all the vacations we'll take and weddings we'll go to, travel that we'll do, whatever it is you're gonna be doing this summer. Uh, just that we would stay in this mode of learning. And so uh, people who are wanting to grow, people who are wanting to dig deeper, one of the number one questions that they ask me is, hey, pastor, what are some books that you would recommend? What are some books that you read? Or uh, if they're not a reader, hey, who are some voices that you listen to? And so what I thought we could do in this series is just for the next four weeks, uh, I wanna give you four books, uh, four books uh, that I'm reading or have read, four books, that uh, are by some voices that influence my life. And I just thought, as you're going through your summer with whatever you're doing, uh, we could take the message with us. Just an opportunity for you to dig in, grow a little deeper, put some roots down, and let God work in your life, so that if you're traveling, you can take the message with you. And it may be that uh, it may be that one of these books hits more than others. It may be that you have four new books that you want to read or, or listen to or whatever the case would be. But I believe you're going to grow from this. And with graduations just happening or maybe happening this weekend, the, the book that I wanted to kick off our series with is a book by Pastor Craig Rochelle. This is his most recent book called Divine Direction. How many of you could use some divine direction in your life? Anybody have some decisions that you're making that you feel you could use some wisdom on? Well, this book, the subtitle, is Seven Decisions That Will Change Your Life. And so what I want to do today is really just kind of lay uh, the framework for the message, introduce it, and if you like it, you can pick it up on your own. And just as a way of honoring all of our graduates, people who have recently graduated or are gonna be graduating this weekend, uh, we're gonna make these books available. They're free to you if you're a graduate. Of uh, course, most of our college graduates are coming to the 11 o'clock service, let's be real. But, um, but if you're recently graduated, you can pick this up. If you're not a graduate, then I'm assuming you have a job and you can probably pick one up at the bookstore yourself. <laughs> Wherever uh, great books are sold. So let's go ahead and uh, get into this message today. I want to start with a scripture and then we'll pray and then we'll begin. Scripture, a very famous scripture, Proverbs 3 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Man, isn't that a great promise? Not that he can direct your paths, not that maybe he will, but it says he will direct your paths. You can have some. Divine direction. And uh, I want to pray and ask for God's help this morning. So if you would just bow your head, and what I would ask, uh, I don't always do this, but it's so important that we come with a posture ready to receive. And I believe God really wants to help some people this morning with this message, speak to their situation, speak to what they're going through. So if you would just add, bow your head and just hold your hands out like, like you're going to receive something that God's going to give you, Let, let's do that this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word, for your truth, and for the opportunity to come before you and learn. God, I'm asking that you will use this message today and that you will use me today to speak to people's situation. God, I know that there are people uh, with some big, significant decisions coming up. God, they need to hear from you. They need your wisdom. And so, God, I'm asking that in this message, they'll hear exactly what they need to hear. And everybody who agrees with that can say "Amen." amen. Amen. Hey, how many of you would consider yourself indecisive? You consider yourself indecisive? How many of you aren't sure about that? Just kidding. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, It's uh, it can be pretty hard to make a decision. And I'm not just talking about big decisions. I, I mean, even sometimes the littlest decisions can be difficult. In fact, in my house, I don't know if this is true in your house, but in my house, there is one decision, one decision that, that whenever this decision comes around, it is a guarantee that it is going to throw our house into chaos, this... This one decision, this this one question, can take the peace, harmony, and focus that exists in our home ninety percent of the time, and throw it into complete disarray. There have been more arguments in our marriage and in our family from this one decision than I care to count. And, and I know you're probably wondering, okay, what is? That? It's obviously something very simple. No, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? You guys know what I'm talking about. And, and it seems like, you know, how can that be such a big thing? But see. I always thought that when Marissa asked me what I want for dinner, that she's wanting me to tell her what I want for dinner. No, no. And, and you don't understand this in, unless you're married, but see, in marriage, there's guesswork involved. Um, there's mind reading that you need to know about. Um, I, I'm thinking that she wants me to tell her what she wants, so we can like make this decision and move on. But that's not the way it works. And so she'll say, well, hey hey, babe, what do you want for dinner? And I'll say, uh, I think fajitas. Fajitas sound good. Uh, you, she makes some great fajitas. Let's have some fajitas. She says, well, I don't have the stuff for that. Okay, I get that. Makes sense. So I go to my second choice. How about some chicken alfredo? That sounds good. She makes some great chicken alfredo. Well, I'd have to run to the store because I'm all out of pasta. Can we make this multiple choice? Like, I mean, this, this just goes on for a long period of time. And, and we've tried all sorts of different things to combat this question. Like, like sometimes she'll try and ask me in the morning before I go to work. I'm like, babe, I have not even had breakfast yet. I have not had lunch yet. There is no way I can tell you what I want for dinner tonight. I need those first breakfast first, then lunch. You've got to go in that order. And then, uh, you know, so we we'll go around in the circle. She's like, well, she'll offer a suggestion. Well, uh, what, do you want a salad tonight? Okay, first of all, what man eats a salad for dinner? That's that's what I would like to know. No man is going to do that. Amen. Thank you for that. And and then. Um, you know, you know, so I'll say, well, how about, how about I grill something? Can, can we grill? Well, I don't have any meat thawed. And so we go around in, in this scenario. And finally, I come home and we're like, okay, it's whatever. Like it, it, anybody said like, okay, it's whatever. Just whatever. Just make a decision. I don't care. Because see, uh, there's really only one thing she needs to know about what I want for dinner. Soon. I want it it right now. Like I can compromise a piece of toast. I'll have cereal. I don't really care what it is. I just need it right now. I just can't starve. You know what I'm talking about with that? I say it's whatever. And I mean, who knows? I mean, if we wouldn't have to uh, fight over this decision, we may have five more kids in our house. We may have our own TV show if we didn't have to figure out this. But anyways, it's whatever. It's this this phrase I, I use when... We have a hard time making a decision, and, and the truth is, it's hard to make the right decisions. Maybe for us, it's trying to figure out what to have for dinner. Maybe for you, it's trying to figure out life. Maybe it's trying to figure out, okay, should I date this person, should I not date this person? You know, should I move here, should, should I not move here? Uh, should I take this job, should, should I not take this job? Where, where should I go? How do I even know if I'm making the right decision? Be so difficult to make the right decision. And hands down, the number one question I ask, I get asked from people is: what do you think God wants me to do? What do you think God wants me to do? Or if they don't ask me, what does God want me to do? And that's a good question. I mean, I'm not shaming you if, if you've asked that question before. I, I think it's good to desire God's will, to want to know. God's will, to get some divine direction in your situation. In fact, I think everybody wants some divine direction. I mean, I think everybody, even if they don't want to live the way God wants them to live, they at least want to know what he knows, right? Like, even if they don't want to do things according to God's way, they would at least like the results that God can give. I'm just saying, I think inside every human heart, there's a desire for divine direction. What? does God want me to do? What do you think God wants me to do? It's this question. And so what I want to do today is focus on this question. And I I want to focus on two parts with this question, the what and the do. What does God want me to do? Because no doubt, I mean, our, our decisions matter, right? I mean, you think about where you're at today, who you are today. It's the result of decisions that you've made in the past. The decisions that you're gonna to make today is gonna to result in who you're gonna become and the things you're gonna accomplish in the future. Our decisions matter. I mean, that, that's why I go to the gym. Not just so I can look good today, but because I have three kids, I wanna be able to beat them up, my boys, in the future. Our decisions matter. Is he joking about that? I don't know, he sometimes talks like that. But let's be honest, lots of times we make poor decisions, don't we? How many of you have ever made a poor decision? Yeah, we all have. How, how how many of you have ever made a permanent decision based off a temporary emotion? I'm not going to show you that tattoo. Lower back. <laughs> how, how many of you have ever lost your temper when you shouldn't have lost your temper? How many of you lost your temper on the way to church this morning? Marissa, stop pointing at me. <laughs> it's so easy. We make poor decisions and Not just poor decisions, it's decisions that we regret. I wish I wouldn't have dated that person. I wish I wouldn't have moved. I wish I wouldn't have taken that job. I I wish I never would have bought that. Couldn't afford it. Uh, The truth is we have a track record of making poor decisions. We make decisions we regret and yet we have a lot of significant decisions in front of us. It's no wonder that we all need some divine direction. In fact, uh, I did a teaching with our staff earlier this year just on how to make good decisions. And when I was studying for the staff teaching, uh, in some of the material I came across, it talked about how uh, millennials have a harder time than ever making good quality decisions. And this was interesting to me because we're a fairly young church. In fact, a significant portion of our staff uh, would fall into the millennial category, which I think is awesome. I think it's a huge positive. I think there's so much promise with this generation. but Uh, The study was saying there's there's some significant challenges, The, the results are real, that this generation, more than any other generation, has trouble staying committed and making a decision. And it lists a number of reasons, but one of the reasons for that was because there's simply so many options available today. I mean, have you gone to pump gas in your car? Do you remember back in the day when you wanted to pump gas in your car? All you had to do was pump gas in your car and pay for it. Now you go to pump gas in your car, it's like, okay, what kind of payment do you wanna use? Are you a rewards member? Can you put in your zip code? You know, what's your mother's meeting name? Can you name all the kids on the Brady Bunch? I don't, like I didn't know there was gonna be a pop quiz. I just want to put gas in my car. That's all I want, just pump gas in my car. And it's not just that, I mean, like anything. It, it's, you know, you want it used to be you want to go see a movie? Okay, what movies are playing? You look, choose from the five that are playing at the theater. Now, do you want to go see a movie? Okay, let's see what's on Netflix. Two hours later, trying to figure out what you want to watch on Netflix. That's just the way it is. There's so many decisions, so many options available that it can paralyze us from making a decision. And since there's so many options, and we're afraid of making an imperfect decision... We often make no decision, which is worse than making an imperfect decision. We need some divine direction. I'm just trying to set this up for you today. We need some divine direction. So what I want to do is is really use this book as a framework. And I want to answer this big question today is what is God's will? What is God's will for my life? And the first thing I want to tell you about this is that God's will is who more than do. God's will is who more than do. Uh, What do you mean by that? God cares more about who you are than what you do. You need to know that before you can get on to anything else. God's will is who more than do. And we see an example of this in 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 3. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, it tells us, what is God's will for your life? God's will is for you to be a teacher. No, I, I didn't get that right. Let me try it again. God's will is for you to be a lawyer. Definitely not. God's will is for you to be a missionary. No, no what's it say? God's will is for you to be holy. God's will is for you to be, wait, you're boiling down God's will to that? God's will is for you to be holy. Uh, Well, One thing you gotta know about holy, holy literally means, every time you see the word holy in the Bible, you can just translate it this way. Holy means set apart. Holy means set apart. Now, I have to laugh whenever I I think about that because that makes me think of my wife's cinnamon rolls. My my wife, whenever she makes cinnamon rolls, she makes them in this round pan, uh, like nine cinnamon rolls in there, and she always takes out the center cinnamon roll because she's selfish like that. She, she sets it apart for herself. These cinnamon rolls are holy unto her. She sets it apart. Which, by the way, that's why God calls the tithe holy, because it's set apart for him. It's not saying that you can shouldn't be generous or you can't do other things, but it says, "This part is set apart for me." right? And it actually gets more specific. He says, not just do good things, but set apart for me, bring it into the storehouse. It's, it's set apart. When you see it says God's will is for you to be holy, saying God's will is for you to be set apart. God's will is for you to be different. It means if you're a Jesus follower, you shouldn't look like what the world looks like. If you're a Jesus follower, that means you shouldn't derive your sense of value from where the world derives its sense of value. That means that you shouldn't let Culture set the standards for you. Yeah. And so many times when we have a big decision, this is what we do, we make a list and we weigh the pros and we weigh the cons. I'm not against that, it's a great thing to do. But you gotta use the right measuring stick. Yeah. And, and the, the way of the world is, okay, let's see, bigger house, nicer car, corner office, you know, maybe a timeshare on the beach, uh, padded 401k. Hey, I'm not against any of that. I hope you have that. That's great if you do. Invite me to the beach with you. I'll come. <laughs> but that's not the goal. All of that stuff is temporary. All of that stuff is going to pass away. And so if you're a Jesus follower, if you're to be set apart, that means you're no longer to be self-centered. You're to be Jesus-centered. That that means you you start filtering decisions a little bit differently. That that, that means you you look at it, okay, how can I serve? What can I give? How can I make a difference? What's going to put me in the position to, to leverage my life for the gospel? How can I use where I'm at to further the kingdom of God? Are you Jesus-centered or self-centered? God's will, it's about who more than do. Well, way more than what you're doing or how you, how, you know, where you're at. In fact, whenever you look at Jesus, interesting thing about his ministry, he talked a whole lot more about who than do. In fact, the only time I really see him talk about someone's vocational job is when he told them to leave it to follow him. Why? because it's so much more important who you're following than what you're doing. It's, it's who more than do. That, that means maybe it doesn't matter so much where you go, what matters is how you live when you're there. Amen. I'm not sure if I'm gonna to go to the right college. You know, I would tell you that God can probably use you wherever you're at if you're living in a way that's holy. If you're living in a way that honors him, So people ask this question all the time, what does God want me to do? Maybe a better question is, who does God want me to become? Let me put it this way. And I hope you answer this honestly. How many of you think it's God's will for me to be a pastor? I sure wish my mom would raise her hand on that one. That would (laughs) really make me feel better. (laughs) Can I just say that again? How many of you think it's God's will for me to be a pastor? Some of you are like, this is not a trick question. I really wish you would make me feel better. I'm going to go home and cry after this. (laughs) Did you raise your hand? (laughs) Praise God for that one. Okay, here's the deal. I would agree with you. I think it's God's will for me to be a pastor. But can I tell you, that is not God's primary will for my life. That is so secondary. God's primary will for my life is for me to be holy. That's God's will for my life. You know, the reality is I could do a lot of other things and still be in the will of God. You realize that, right? Like, like I think I could do, and I know so, because before I was a pastor, I was doing other stuff. I used to lead employees, I, I used to lead this company. It's not like I was out of the will of God, and then when I became a pastor, I suddenly stepped into the will of God. God's will is who? more than do. But just like I could be doing anything else than pastoring and still be in the will of God, you realize I could be a pastor and still be out of the will of God. You understand that, right? I don't care if I preach the greatest sermon you've ever heard. I don't care if every person in here commits their life to Christ or recommits their life to Christ, if it helps tons of people, and then I go home and I beat my wife, I'm not in the will of God. I don't care how great of a leader I am, if I'm charismatic and if I do so many great things for this city and this city is a better place after I'm gone because of my leadership, but I don't pay my bills, I'm not in the will of God. God's will is who more than do. Who more than do. It's what drives you has to be different has to be. So how does that apply to you? Well, let's look at some of those questions. Well, who should I date? Should I date this person? Well, are, are they leading you to become more like Jesus? Are, are they helping you to grow? If they are, go for it. If they're not, I would pass. Okay, well, how about this job? You know, this, should I take this job or should I stay here? I'll look at it, what's gonna help you become more like Jesus? Who more than do? What's gonna put you in a position to grow? Reality is, I don't think it matters that much. What matters is that you're serving God faithfully where you're at. It's who more than do. You realize like this is why we offer growth track at our church, right? It's all to put you on track so that you can grow to put you in a place where you can grow. That's what growth track is about. If you haven't gone through, if you're wondering why am I doing, going through these same patterns over and over, maybe you haven't gone through growth track yet. You need to get in a place where you can grow. Well, what about should I move to this place or should I stay here? You know, sh- should, I, should I move to Topeka or should I stay in Lawrence? Unfortunately, there are some things God can't redeem. And I'm just telling you, like, I can't promise you that if you move there that God's gonna bless you. But, no, I'm just telling, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that it's who more than do. You gotta think about, instead of, what should I be doing in the future, who am I becoming in the present? That's what matters. You gotta start with who. That, that's divine direction, that every step I take is conforming me to the image of Christ. That I'm becoming more like him with every decision. So what's God's will? It's, it's who more than do. The second thing I wanna tell you, if you're taking notes, is God's will is why more than what. God's will is why more than what. Can I tell you, motives matter to God. Motives matter. In fact, let me read you this verse in Proverbs 16, two. It says, You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Why more than what? Why do you want to do that thing? Maybe you should ask why. You know, they say that there's two reasons people do anything. The one that sounds good and the real one. And so many times, if we're not careful, we will lie to ourselves And we will tell us the reason we're doing something is the reason that sounds good. But God says, I know your heart. I know your motives. It is scary to me how easy it is for my motives to become impure. And what I've noticed is it is really difficult to end up heading the right direction if you start with the wrong motives. It is almost impossible to end up at the right place if you don't start with the right motives. Our motives matter. You got to ask yourself why. Why do you want that car? Why why do you want that job? Why why do you want to purchase that thing? Why do you want to move? Is it because you think you can't live fulfilled here? Is it because you think you can't make a difference here, be fulfilled with where you're at, whether the job or the purchase or the car? Why? Got to. Got to start with why. In fact, you will never understand what our church is about if you don't understand why. Why we exist. I'll tell you. You'll never, you'll never really get what our church is about till you've brought a friend with you who doesn't know Jesus. Absolutely. When you are sitting with somebody who you know is far from God, I man, you look at church a whole lot differently. That's our why. Why do we do anything? To bring those far from God, near to life in Christ. That, that's why. Why, why, why do we have, why we have a food truck last week? Is it because we're really big fans of creme brulee? Maybe. And because I will do whatever to give you a reason to bring somebody to a place where they can hear the truth. Anything short of sin. Anything short of sin. Yeah. No. So why do we do, in it? you know, I, I invited a friend this week to church. We, uh, we, I said, this guy's uh, not a Christian. I said, hey, let's grab lunch Monday. We had that set up. We hadn't been uh, connected for a while. so said, hey, let's grab lunch Monday. And then we texted, I said, tell you what, if you come to church, I'll buy your lunch because I'm that guy. I'm not above bribes. I will do whatever it takes <laughs> to get somebody in a place where they can hear the truth because I believe that truth is powerful enough to change their direction. You gotta start with why, and really, the deepest part of it, the the, the deepest part of this isn't just that we would discover God's will. It's not even that we would do God's will. So we would desire God's will. That's what God's really after. God wants to move beyond our external actions beyond just being obedient to what he said and pry into the motives of our heart. Why? It's why more than what. He he wants to take his will out of the do column and put it in the desire column. I I, want to be in this place, God, where I want to do what you've laid out. I want to be holy, not because I have to, but because that's, that's my desire. My desire is to become more like Jesus. My desire is that every decision that I make is conforming me more into the image of His Son. It's why more than what. It's who more than do. And when we get that right, God leads us step by step to the right place. But this is how I wanna end this, and I think it'll help you. I would tell you that God's will is whatever. Wait, hold up a minute. Isn't that what she told your wife you wanted for dinner? Whatever. God's will is whatever. It's whatever. It's, it's whatever. Let me share a scripture with you that'll help you. Colossians 3.16. It's my favorite scripture on the will of God. It says, and, what's that word? Whatever. Let's try it again all together. And whatever, whatever you do, Channel your inner Alicia Silverstone, whatever, clueless, back in the 90s, whatever, whatever. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, this is a great filter to look at God's will for your life. I want to free you up a little bit. Can you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you do it giving thanks to God the Father through him? I don't know. I want to, you know, dance naked on a pole. I think that's God's will for my life. Can you do that in the name of Jesus? Did he really just say that? I'm just saying, like, use this as a filter. Can you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you do it giving thanks to God the Father through him? Do that. Do it. If you can, then do it. See, when you love God and when you turn to him, whatever you do becomes the will of God. If it's about who more than do, and if it's about why more than what, then I just want to free you up a little bit. You can do whatever. Tell somebody, you can do whatever. You you can do whatever. Because see, God's will isn't a place. It's a person. It's not a somewhere. It's a someone. That's why it's a divine direction, not a divine destination. We think... Am I in the, am I making the right decision? Am I going to, am I, is this the right place? Am I in the perfect will of God? It is about a direction. Who more than do? Why more than what? When you see that filter, it's whatever. Maybe, maybe this is why Solomon wrote in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and in all of your ways, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. So in other words, whenever I'm acknowledging him in all my ways, then whatever I'm doing, if I'm doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him, in word or in deed, then he's directing my steps. Step by step, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Step by step. I'm being conformed into the image of his son. Step by step, every decision that I make is leading me in a divine direction. So I usually know God wants you to know his will way more than you want to know his will. He's not trying to conceal it from you, but that's why scripture is so much more about who you're becoming. When you're becoming the right person, he's leading you down the right path. It's a divine direction. So, okay, well, what about all these big decisions I have to make? What about this person that I'm dating? What, just filter it through. Who are you becoming? Are you putting yourself in a position where God's gonna grow you, where he's gonna help you become more like Jesus? That's God's will for your life, It's to put you in a place where you can grow the most, to put you in the place where you can Show forth Jesus in your life the most. It's present way more than its future. It's what are you doing right now?